let's take it back to football players or if you were an athlete. What happens if you injured yourself on the football field? Let's say you did an ACL and you needed to have an ACL reconstruction, like a knee reconstruction. You would have surgery. Then you would have a period where you're forced to rest. The doctor would say, you know, rest, put it in a brace or whatever it is. Then you would start a period of rehab. So you might go to the gym and do some really light weights. Then you might um, start to do more at the gym. You might start some gentle run-throughs. Finally, you might start to do training with your your team members and then eventually you might get back to a quarter match of football and then a half match of competitive like it doesn't go from having a a knee reconstruction six weeks later bang on the football field whereas I feel after having a baby in our society our partner might only if if we have a partner like it might only get a couple of weeks parental leave if we're lucky and then the modern day mum is needing to do school drop-offs or take your other child to childcare, go do the groceries, do all the laundry. Like it's just, yeah, postnatal rehab isn't a thing and I, I'm on a mission to make it a thing. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, Balancers, and welcome back to episode 61 of the Balance Theory podcast. I hope you're all having a splendid day wherever you are at in your week. And I just want to thank you for choosing to spend the next 40 or so minutes with me and my very special guests today. Before we dive in and I share a little bit about what you can expect on today's episode, I did want to share, I guess, a thought that popped up when I was reading a book the other day. It was this concept that you get to decide and choose what an experience means to you. And I find this quite empowering. So it's sort of like the Monday Muse from this month where you have a choice in everything and indecision is still a choice. It's kind of like you have the power to decide how certain things make an imprint in your life. And I think this is a really important thing to just constantly remind ourselves of because it's very easy to fall into a sort of victim mentality where you throw your hands up and you say, well, this has just sort of happened to me and it's crap and I'm hating life and my job sucks and my relationship's not doing that great or whatever it is. But I think if you, and again, if you really like this concept, definitely tune into the Monday Muse from this month. But You get to decide and choose what an experience means to you. So if you've had a fight, if you've had a really rough day at work, you can sit there and ponder on how crappy it was and how negative it was and just continue to fuel those emotions. Or you can decide that that shows you what you don't want in life. It shows you a day that you don't want to have again. It shows you routines or practices that you've maybe done to fall into that position that you now want to avoid. So there's always a learning piece from everything that happens. And I hope you needed to hear that this morning. I don't know who did, but I felt like sharing it. So I hope that's hit home for you. And it's just a nice gentle reminder that there's a power in owning and reframing everything. So I hope that meant something to you. (laughs) But now I guess a little bit onto our guest this week. Um, As I mentioned last week, a lot of you have requested episodes and guests on female health in particular. And so what I did this month was I wanted to combine two really incredible professionals and bring to you some very in-depth knowledge about two specific areas within female health. So last week we spoke all about vaginal health, cyclical living, and a little bit about conception and fertility with Chloe Shivers, a naturopath from New Zealand. So if you are interested in that, definitely go back and add that one to your list. But today I've got Catherine Bequion, who is a mum of three young girls, but also a physiotherapist for women. She does also host the Fitness Mama podcast, which I've linked in the show notes below. But basically she has created an online community to provide pregnant and new mothers. So I guess last week we focused on the pre-pregnancy phase Now this week is focusing on while you're pregnant and I guess post-pregnancy, postpartum. Her focus is on providing them support and resources as well as exercises they need to move beyond the overwhelm, the physical aches, the pains of pregnancy, and I guess the weakness you feel after birth. So today we chat about all of this postpartum recovery space, as well as do a really deep dive into what the pelvic floor actually is. I'm sure many of you have heard about it know roughly what it is, but do you know exactly what it is? And I guess its role in pregnancy, because I didn't know, I guess, the specifics of it. So I really enjoyed getting technical with Catherine today. 
And I guess really getting that understanding of it's just as important to learn to relax the pelvic floor as much as it is to strengthen it. So we always focus on, I don't know about you guys, but me and my girlfriends are always like reminding each other, like do your pelvic floor exercises. But I guess learning to relax it was a really key takeaway for me today. And so we also talk about exercise. So what exercise should you be doing during and after pregnancy? Um, And as well, I guess if you're already exercising and then moving into that period of your life, how does that need to change? What does that mean for your body, et cetera? Why we shouldn't let our recovery take a back seat, which I guess is a really hard balancing act when you have a newborn baby. And I'm absolutely not speaking from experience, but I've got a lot of people around me who are new mums and I can see the push and pull between the baby's needs and your own. So she really just reminds us, I guess, why we can't let our recovery take a back seat. Then we get into the specifics of exercise as well. So what your baseline of fitness is, um, knowing the intensity and exercise, I guess, times when you're training pregnant. She introduces me to something really interesting called the talk test. And we also talk about just giving yourself a little bit of grace. Also, if you're into like mantras and affirmations, she shares some really beautiful ones for all new and expecting mamas, which was also a really nice addition. So something a little bit different and I guess niche today, but I really love chatting with Catherine about this area. It's something I'm looking forward to in my life, not so near future, but you know, five-year plan. And so I think it's always good to have this knowledge before we dive in. It's all about being proactive rather than reactive. So if you can arm yourself with just a little bit of preliminary insight, it might just help you make some subtle changes that will mean the world of a difference when it comes to crunch time. So you can find Catherine at fitnessmama.com or on IG at fitnessmama, or of course on her podcast, which is all linked below. Feel free to share this with a mama who's expecting or someone who may be newly blessed. Feel free to take a screenshot of this episode and pop it on your story. Let us know what your thoughts are and send me a DM if you want to see more of this niche type of content. Otherwise, sit back and relax. I know you're going to get a lot out of today's show. So enjoy and we'll dive straight in. Joining me all the way from Melbourne and happily out of lockdown, I've got the lovely Catherine from Fitness Mama on today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. And I'm actually really excited to chat to you today because whilst I've had guests on that have dabbled in the pregnancy space, I'm yet to do an episode fully dedicated to uh, postpartum, pregnancy and all things alike and talking about balance in that journey, in that space. And it's one I'm yet to venture into, but one I hope to in the in the coming up few years. So I'm really excited to get a feel for, you know, what, can, what I can expect and I guess your thoughts on it. But just so the listeners get a bit of a feel for who you are and the work you do, would you mind introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about just that? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Erica. So my name is Catherine Bequee and I'm a physiotherapist working in women's health. So I've always been drawn to working with pregnant mums right from, I think, 20 years old. I soon discovered, I think all the physio students end up doing a little bit of sports training for the local football team. And I soon discovered that uh, massaging hamstrings halfway through a footy match (laughs) on a cold winter's day just was not my thing (laughs) so um yeah always loved working with pregnant mums and new mums it's just something really beautiful about it and I know that seems cliched but I'm really lucky to have found a job I really enjoy so I see I have done postgraduate training in pelvic floor rehab so that means I see women in the clinic with issues with leaking or prolapse or we do postnatal checks or helping them with aches and pains during pregnancy, help them get back to running after having a baby. And I saw a big need to, rather than seeing women when they already had these concerns and these issues, I saw there was a big need to help women before they got developed these issues. And I myself had pelvic girdle pain during my second pregnancy and I've had prolapse symptoms so um, I ended up developing Fitness Mama which is an online platform with workouts that are pregnancy friendly and postnatal friendly that are really um, we infuse pelvic floor and core and all that education into everything to really help with that being proactive in your health during pregnancy rather than waiting for issues to occur and yeah it's fun so that's called fitness mama and i've got a podcast too so if you are pregnant come and check out the fitness mama podcast 
Absolutely. And I'll, I'll definitely pop links to the podcast and, and your website and resources below. Um, but I love that. And, and I guess everything, every guest I have on, whether it is in the realm of mental health or nutrition, or now even, you know, talking about postpartum, we are all about being proactive rather than reactive. Um, so I, I love that that's kind of your approach as well. And before we dive into uh, more of the technical stuff, because I really want to get into the nitty gritty of exercise and um specific things that people can do both pre, during and post pregnancy. I did want to ask you to clarify one thing that I think for me until I started training and exercising was a bit of a wishy-washy term. And I was like, I kind of know what that means, but I don't really, can you explain what is the pelvic floor just so everybody's on the same page? Oh, such a good question because it's, it's an internal muscle to the body. Like it's inside our body. So it's not as if we can see it or, you know, look at it and, suddenly we become pregnant and everyone starts talking about your pelvic floor. Oh, you got to do your pelvic floor. But what is it? So great question, because I wish they would teach this at school. I wish every single girl that was going through puberty would learn the basics about pelvic floor, because I do see, I don't just see women in pregnancy and postpartum. I do see women um, with issues of urgency and leaking or maybe it's sexual pain or chronic constipation that's linked with perhaps irritable bowel syndrome or endometriosis like there's so many different reasons why women might have pelvic health issues and just to become aware of some basic anatomy I think is amazing so um, to put it really simply the pelvic floor is the floor of the pelvis, hence the name pelvic floor. And it's the group of muscles and connective tissue that sit at the very bottom of us and they surround all the openings. So your urethra where the wee comes out is the first opening at the front, then your vagina's in the middle, and then your anus is the back passage. So there's the three openings and their main role, there's a couple of functions, but it's to close off those openings to help maintain continence so that means to help keep you dry or to help prevent the leaking of urine or feces and even wind and then the second function is to help support the organs so to help keep your bladder and your bowel and your uterus keep it everything where it should be so that's to put it simply beautiful and when it comes to pregnancy is it that the reason we kind of focus more on the pelvic floor is because obviously its its function is, I guess, strained a little bit by the fact that there's a baby in there or does it play a further function when it comes to pregnancy? Yeah, good question. So research has shown us that pregnancy and childbirth are risk factors for pelvic floor issues. So there's a spike of issues. So we're more likely to have issues as a result of pregnancy and childbirth. And that's a combination of factors. That's um, partly due to the weight of the growing baby sitting on top of your pelvic floor. And if you think about your pelvic floor as your trampoline, you know, a trampoline base at at the bottom of your Mm -hmm. pelvis, if there's just one person on the trampoline, it's not going to have too much I wish I could um, show a video here, like show what my hands are doing. Wouldn't have too like much a bit of a weight, it, would you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas if you had your whole family all jumping up and down on a trampoline, like it would be creating a bit more of that uh, like trampoline effect on the pelvic floor. So, yeah, pregnancy with the weight—it's not just your baby; it's a fluid. So if you've got nine months of growing baby sitting on top of your pelvic floor, in addition, you've got hormonal changes. And then you've got the act of birth itself. And that might be different for everyone. But yeah, those are the main reasons why our pelvic floor needs a bit of love, I, I believe, during pregnancy and after birth, even if you have a um, vaginal or a cesarean birth. Beautiful. Thanks for clarifying that, because it was, I guess, like I said, something that was like, I kind of knew roughly what it was, but I think that's a great visual, like understanding it more as a trampoline and kind of like the glue between those openings in in and around that region. And that kind of helps you understand, I guess, the pressures that go into it during pregnancy and why it becomes more important. Um, But I'd love for you to share a little bit now about your actual experience with uh, prolapse and birth recovery in general, because I know that's something you not only work in, but it's something you personally have gone through yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny, isn't it? Because I, I've worked in women's health and, you know, you think you know it all when you work in an area and you've done this study. Um, and during my first pregnancy, I had a relatively great pregnancy. I was fierce. I was active, no aches or pains. I remember Tricks going you to have the second one, hey? 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. So I remember going for an hour walk the day before I gave birth and like I worked in a Pilates studio. So I was going to Pilates class regularly. So it was, it was great. I was really lucky. And then when I, I had my baby and again, it was, a, I was induced, but it was a relatively, I, I say good in air quotation marks, good birth, um, textbook birth, so to speak. So I didn't have, I had some stitches, but nothing untoward and good recovery. And then a couple of weeks into, um, a couple of weeks at home. So my baby was just two weeks old. I was called, but called up by a friend and asked to go for coffee, just, you know, local Chapel street, if you're in Melbourne. So off I trotted, it wasn't far from home at that stage. And I walked with my pram, good 15, 20 minute walk. And for me, that wasn't a big walk. So I always say to women, take it easy when you have a baby. Those first six weeks, it's all about rest. And I thought, you know, 15, 20 minutes, easy. So I walked, I had my coffee, I came home, I went to the supermarket, like the IGA on the way home and popped some bread and milk under my pram. And then on the way home, so it was about three hours later, I remember that distinct spot on the hill approaching our apartment where I suddenly I said to my husband it feels like my insides are falling out like it was a really scary sensation I felt like I had a ton of bricks sitting on top of my pelvic floor so I was able I was lucky that I could identify that that's an issue it's what we call pelvic organ prolapse so you might also feel it like a vaginal bulge or a lump or a pelvic heaviness dragging sensation and I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, like it was, it really knocked me for a sixer because I felt I'd had a great pregnancy. I felt like I'd had a great birth. I'd only done a 15 minute walk there and back. And to suddenly have these prolapse symptoms, it's, it was pretty distressing. So, um, I have, yeah. Oh, so where to from that? It, <laughs> I get these symptoms. If you're listening and you do have these symptoms, just it's, like they are really common, they're really normal, but there's lots that can be done to help. So I think that's what it's all about is identifying, or first of all, trying to manage them so they don't occur, but that's not always possible after childbirth. And secondly is identifying them so that we can get treatment as soon as possible and or manage them as soon as possible to help nip it in the bud as much as possible because that's much better than waiting months and months and months and months. Yeah, in my opinion, I'm always like, for proactive treatment so yeah I'd felt this ton of bricks sitting on top of my pelvic floor and it lasted for a good month or so and I was lucky that the symptoms did subside but it's huge on mental health on confidence you know I'm thinking gosh am I ever going to be able to run again like it, it did knock knock me about so I am oh I like I in hindsight hindsight's a lovely thing isn't it <laughs> Absolutely. Don't we love hindsight? But I now recommend to all my mums, so if you're listening and you're about to have a baby, it's very easy to go from no symptoms to suddenly being symptomatic after having a baby. So my biggest advice, if you're listening out there, is even though you might feel great, is your body has just been through something crazy. Like childbirth, we know that the pelvic floor muscles can stretch up to 300%, three times their length, like no other muscle in the body can do it. In comparison, I need, really need to check this stat, but I'm pretty sure hamstrings strain at about 18%, 18%, whereas yeah. pelvic floor can stretch 300%. So they're perfectly built for the job of childbirth. Amazing, um, but I do. It's like if you and a good way to think about it is if you've got an elastic band, we want that natural recoil to occur as much as possible. And after having a baby, we want same with our abdominal muscles, our pelvic floor. Like we've got the rest of our life to get fit and strong and active again. But these first six weeks postpartum, you could be the strongest woman in the world. But everything's still stretched and it's not just muscles that have stretched. And this is what I didn't, I didn't quite honour this. Um, like it's when you're eating a piece of steak, I often say this, it's not just meat that you're eating, is it? Like it, there's the white, I hope you're not vegetarian, but there's the white sinewy no, <laughs> bit, you know, the connective tissue and all the different yeah, parts the fascias, of the, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's all of that stretch. It's not just muscle. So we just need time to let that knit together as much as possible in those first six weeks. And the best thing we can do is to take off stretch. So by for myself, because I was up against gravity, even though I was sitting in the cafe and um, you know walking, I was still had all the weight of everything sitting down on top of this stretched trampoline um yeah so my tips if you're listening do you want some hot tips for afterbirth recovery yeah yeah well actually we'll jump in there really in a second i just wanted to ask you quickly so with your um exact experience because you mentioned it is quite common if we're thinking about the analogy of the elastic band so what actually happened in, in your situation, if we're thinking about the elastic band kind of coming back to itself slowly after childbirth, what happened in your situation? So, yeah, like, because that? I was up against it was yeah. just the gravitational forces, I believe. So everything has stretched and I did have a natural lowering of everything, which is what most women do have. But because I'd been up against gravity, there's a point where it's unsymptomatic. So... You can't feel it. You can't, there's no symptoms. And then there's a point if things lower a little bit more, they're symptomatic. So by being up against gravity, yeah, it's a fine line. And by being up against gravity, I'd allowed things to just stretch and become symptomatic. So what I needed to have done is shorter walks. So I recommend five minutes extra every week in that first six weeks. But also importantly, horizontal rest. So little so bursts of fight the gravity. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting or recommending this at all, but do you know what a medieval, I heard that a medieval treatment for prolapse was to hang a woman upside down. So I'm not recommending that. <laughs> so what, but what we can do is lie down, like let gravity just let, let everything just, yeah, relax, take that pressure off. It's beautiful. It's the best. It's so simple, but I think it's, mm. you know, we're busy as new mums and, yeah, it's it's very easy to let our own recovery take a bit of a back seat because we're learning how to take care of this beautiful new baby, right? Mm. Yeah, I can imagine mm. it would be very difficult to uh, manage those competing priorities, you know, thinking the the child's I guess needs are more important at that point in time but I think balancing that with your own recovery is a is a nice reminder for anyone I guess approaching that phase or going through it now um do you do you notice in your practice or just in your experience as well like any other common uh pro like birth I guess issues that are quite common would that be like the top common one Uh, like aside from let's say mental I guess, hormonal issues, anything else physical that's really, really common? So pelvic girdle pain and back pain is really common, unfortunately, during pregnancy. So there's statistics vary depending on which research article, but it's anything they say from one in four to three in four women have pelvic wow. girdle pain at some point during pregnancy. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty huge. And it, it might be really minor, but it can also be quite debilitating and Mm. just you know knock you for a sixer um so that's a huge one managing those aches and pains as much as possible and not pushing through them so yeah it's a really fun it's a real fine line isn't it so that Mm. along with the pelvic health so leaking incontinence prolapse um and then abdominal muscle separation a lot of women come and see me about concerns about their tummy muscle um, just mm-hmm. because it's stretched so much and again they're just trying to make sure it's healing as well as possible absolutely now I think probably everyone listening wants to know about the exercise side of things so I might break this up into let's just say like during and after pregnancy but before we dive into that specifically something I've always been interested in um, and I guess have as a question is I'm somebody who does resistance training so I train about five days a week quite heavy weights I would imagine um, you know nearing a time where I fall pregnant I would potentially need to change a lot of those exercises especially when they relate to the core however because my body is already used to that type of training 
is it okay for people to continue their exercise regime? Noting this obviously is not uh, specific health advice and it's always pref preferred you, you check with an, uh, your, you know, your own doctor or whatever before, before doing this during pregnancy. But I guess my high level question is, provided you alter the exercise for the fact that you are pregnant, is it okay to train at the same, I guess, intensity and, and routine that you have been pre-pregnancy for a long time? Yeah, look, great question. And and I've done a podcast episode just on this one topic, but it awesome. is a really common question. And so, yes, it isn't general, it's just general advice only. So the first thing is to always check with your doctor and make sure you're medically cleared to exercise during pregnancy. And you're right, the big thing is what were you doing before pregnancy? So let's say you're a marathon before runner. Uh, sorry marathon runner before pregnancy you're probably in a very different position if you're running during pregnancy you're in a very different position to compared to the another woman who's never run her whole life and similar sort of thing with you is strength training if you've been regularly strength training you're in a very different position compared to someone who's not done any strength training at all so your baseline fitness and what you've been doing as a baseline is a really important factor so my general, like I never, it's, for me, it's never black and white. If a woman Absolutely, wants to do yeah. something, I will always try to work with her to help her achieve what she wants to achieve. So if a woman's running and wants to keep running, like that's brilliant. There, But there's just some things I'd perhaps recommend and maybe ways that we can tweak the running or modify it or things we can supplement running with to make sure her pelvic floor and core is okay. Um, same with the strength training. Uh, what I would be aware of with strength training is making sure we're lifting the weights in a way that's not putting a lot of downward force through the pelvic floor. So if we're having to, because what we just talked about before with the pelvic floor being under a lot of stress and load, I should just preface this with there's not much evidence. There's not much research in this area, unfortunately. There's not much good quality research. But we can extrapolate from other research that we've come across. So my recommendation with the pelvic floor is to, if you're going to be strength training, let's first of all find out that you're doing a good pelvic floor lift and that you know how to relax your pelvic floor. Because I think those two elements are really key in first of all becoming aware of your pelvic floor. Because if you're aware of your pelvic floor, then when you're doing your strength training, Hopefully you become aware if you're putting that downward strain through the pelvic floor. So what I mean by that is constipation on the toilet is one risk factor for pelvic organ prolapse that I was talking about before. So we don't want to be straining on the toilet. So we want to be opening the bowels in a way that is not putting extra downward force through the pelvic floor. Does that make sense? So if you're listening yeah. today and you've got chronic uh, constipation, definitely go have a chat to your GP, go have a chat to your dietitian, and maybe get a pelvic floor assessment too, um, mm -hmm. depending on, yeah, it will be different for everyone. But so my tip is, yeah, strength training is brilliant during pregnancy. I would just be making sure you're doing it in a way that's beneficial to the body and not potentially putting extra load on the pelvic floor yeah absolutely and, and i like the point about understanding what your baseline is i guess before you fall pregnant um i guess the takeaway there is don't maybe if you want to try crossfit maybe you know once you fall pregnant's not necessarily the right time just saying that out of the pure fact that even when i change up my exercise regime it's such a shock to my body and i feel like that's where you want to watch i guess what you're doing during pregnancy potentially um, but i think the other thing you said that's really important is that pelvic floor awareness so notwithstanding what exercise you're doing or not doing that or having that awareness during pregnancy is only going to be beneficial so i guess now the real question is what exercise is actually optimal during pregnancy is there a type that is better or more conducive for the birthing process um, recovery is there anything that is better for that or does it really just depend on the person mm, okay right how long do we have erica <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. <laughs> so Give us going the best <laughs> Going back to your previous point, you just once more, like you could have two people doing exactly the same exercise, but the 
And I'm a pelvic floor physio, so I know I'm probably very skewed to thinking about this from a pelvic floor perspective, but I also see a lot of women with these issues of leaking and prolapse, and I, I, can, I know how much of an effect it can have on mental health and confidence. So I am a big believer of, like, I, I feel pregnancy is a time to nourish our body and do what feels good and do what can help us stay healthy and we've got the rest of our life to get fit and strong again does that make sense so yeah in terms of what the best in terms of what the best exercise to do during pregnancy this is so individual so the best exercise of pregnancy is what you enjoy because if you do what you enjoy then you're probably going to be doing it regularly and Um, That consistency is really important for so many benefits to mum, to baby, to mental health, to your general general health, and yeah, so on. So, on that point, before you before you give us the next point, I actually remember reading this article and it was talking about how um, obviously endorphins are released during exercise, but your uh, likeness to the type of exercise you're doing actually impacts the amount of endorphins release or I guess like even the dopamine hit you get from it so if you're doing something you really hate you're actually not going to get those positive benefits from it so I think that that plays nicely as a first point to I guess your suggestion there as well yeah yeah that's a lovely that's a lovely point it's good to know so if you enjoy doing it that's brilliant that's the first step to um yeah, feeling Anything. good, isn't it? Those endorphins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so some general rule of thumb, general rules of thumb I've got with pregnancy exercise is first of all, get your medical clearance. Secondly, we want to be exercising at a moderate intensity. It's not a time to do high intensity. So a good test for this is the talk test. So make sure you can have a conversation. So if you're gasping for air and you can't talk to the person next to you, you're probably at a level that's a bit too high intensity for you. And again, this is going to change for everyone depending on their fitness levels. And they, that's why mm. they, I think they found the talk test, like the Borg scale, to be quite effective. Because if you're measuring someone's heart rate, one person's heart rate versus another, mm. it, it's, you know, depending on fitness Not levels, equivalent. there's a lot of yeah. variability. Mm. So this talk test is great. So I, I say to all my mums who are doing a fitness workout, so I'm like, you know, let's make sure when we're doing this cardio workout, you can always hold a conversation, never too puffed out and not gasping for air. I love so that. I one. haven't heard about that before. That's great. Mm. Yeah. And you can, it's so transportable. So you could be going for a walk up a hill and just think, can I have a conversation? Um yeah, you might be at the gym. It's just easy to monitor. Yeah. Um, secondly would be low impact. But again, this has got that caveat. If you're a marathon runner and you've done heaps, <laughs> um, yeah, this might not always be the case. So it's always – there's always exceptions to the rule. But if you haven't been a huge runner, I'd say let's let's do low impact Um because we do have there are hormonal changes occurring in the body um the abdominals are becoming stretched the pelvic floors stretch so it's all potentially more predisposed to injury because of the way your body is growing and and i think this is a time where low impact there's so many low impact options so what we mean by low impact it could be walking stationary bike um pilates strength training at the gym like there's lots of low impact so yeah that would be the my second little point and then the third point which I probably should have put first considering I'm pelvic floor physio is to get your pelvic floor (laughs) checked and just make sure you feel confident that a you can lift it b you can relax it because some women are worried about exercising their pelvic floor too much during pregnancy it's a little bit of a um I won't say myth, but that's a it's a common thing that people do are concerned about. And the reason women might be concerned is well, I'm gonna put it very simplistically. It's a uterus's job to push out the baby when you're having a baby. And it's a pelvic floor's job just to get out the way and relax and get out the way. So but there's been some amazing research to show pelvic floor strengthening during pregnancy can help with the recovery and um prevention with issues of leaking and prolapse and all the rest 
but it's that combination of pelvic floor strengthening and also pelvic floor relaxing and learning how to relax and learning how to yeah it's that's a beautiful combination for pregnancy yeah I think that's a nice point and not one I've actually thought of myself you know even even now like years before I'm even thinking of having a baby it's kind of like oh what can I do to strengthen my pelvic floor you know like you hear all your friends going oh just do your pelvic floor exercises when you remember when you're in the shower but I think that's equally a nice point to balance out the strength like is learning to make it relax and having that technical understanding that it is what needs to get out of the way when the baby comes through you understand I guess the importance of of learning how to control that um so so I really Mm. love that point um, and I know you gave some few points before about um, exercising post-delivery or post-pregnancy um, in terms of, I guess, the first six weeks are really crucial in terms of rest. Would you recommend any form of exercise or strengthening or conditioning during those six weeks? Or is that really the marker which we start after that point? Yeah, so generally, generally six weeks is when you get the medical check. And then you're right to go from six weeks. So before six weeks, it's usually that six weeks goes in a blur when you have your baby. (laughs) So um, getting out with the pram for those, I mentioned those little five-minute walks. So a few five-minute walks a day for that first week, 10-minute walks for the second week, 15-minute walks for the third week. Does that make sense? Going up five minutes. So by the time you get to yep. six weeks, yeah, it's 30 minutes already. Um, but you also can start pelvic floor exercises. And right from generally day one, unless you've had heaps of stitches, then I do say just check with your doctor first. But there's so many, there's beautiful stretches to do. It Look, it's not a time to do. I, I don't feel anyone really wants to do workouts during that time. Um, I know with my members, I've got a couple of, I don't call them workouts, I call them core connect. We're just really basics. Let's, t- you know, learn how to turn on those pelvic floor muscles gently. Let's do some nice stretches because you might be feeling a Beautiful. bit achy because you're breastfeeding so much. Like let's nourish our body with what feels good and let's definitely not deplete it of, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, it's it's a nice reframe, I suppose, for me. It's not not a time in my life that I've really given heaps of thought to. Um, but uh, mm. but I guess like understanding, you're probably not going to be in the mental space to want to work out anyway. But like knowing that you could do like stretches and just more gentle movements that are more conducive to that mm. recovery is is really great to know. And and I guess like knowing that there are communities like yours out there where you can connect with a professional who specialises in this, I think is also really important. Um, but is there anything else aside from exercise or just just in general um, that you say are tips to boost the recovery process postpartum? Yes. Um, I feel it's a massive shift. Like I don't know if you'll find this, Erica, but personally, coming from a baseline where I was quite fit and active and I used to be a runner and I still do run occasionally, but it was a huge it's a huge change. I won't say shock to the system, but it's a huge change in adjustment when you do mm. become a mother. And I think sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves that we need to get fit and we need to lose a baby weight and we need to be doing more. And this is, it's so hard when, you know, you're feeling deprived, uh, sleep deprived and you're exhausted and you've got all these hormones racing around. And I think sometimes us as women can be, we, it's like we've got high expectations and we we're hard on ourselves so I think my biggest advice would be I know this is easy for me to say in hindsight and use down the track but giving ourselves that grace to recover and where and just understand sometimes less can be more in those early days and less can actually help to set you up for more in the future I just I'm such a firm believer of that um, like the fourth trimester we call it that early postpartum period it's a beautiful phase where hopefully yeah it's looking after your body yes it is super important and that starts off with rest it doesn't start off with exercise yeah I Does love that, that. Makes sense and, uh, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and and I guess for me 
I'm sort of the same, like quite fit and active. And I guess I also have this expectation that not long after, you know, after I have my first kid, I'll be back in, you know, active and fit. But I think it's nice to talk to people who have been through this experience and, and also, you know, like you work in the space as well, who are able to give the reality check, I suppose. And because I, I love the word you use there, grace, like just giving grace to ourselves. Um, because it is a time, I think, where when your hormones are out of whack, your just your overall mood can be completely different. So, yes, you've answered my question, and I think given your um, given your explanation of how the pelvic floor works in terms of like it being like an elastic band, understanding that that recovery can actually make it stronger, I think, is a really nice analogy as well. Mm. And taking it one step further, we've been talking about this early, you know, six week postpartum period but we might go and have a I remember having a doctor's check at six weeks after birth and they said okay yep you're right you can start running at 12 weeks and you can get pregnant again at eight months <laughs> I just remember thinking what so after having our six-week check and our medical check even though you might have the tick of approval from the doctor and they've checked all the medical side of things I feel in our society like Let's take it back to football players or if you were an athlete. What happens if you injured yourself on the football field? Let's say you did an ACL and you needed to have an ACL reconstruction, like a knee reconstruction. You would have surgery. Then you would have a period where you're forced to rest. The doctor would say, you know, rest, put it in a brace or whatever it is. Then you would start a period of rehab. So you might go to the gym and do some really light weights. Then you might... Um, start to do more at the gym you might start some gentle run-throughs finally you might start to do training with your your team members and then eventually you might get back to a quarter match of football and then a half match of competitive like it doesn't go from having a, a knee reconstruction six weeks later bang on the football field whereas I feel after having a baby in our society our partner might only if if we have a partner, like it might only get a couple of weeks parental leave if we're lucky. And then the modern day mum is needing to do school drop-offs or take your other child to childcare, go do the groceries, do all the laundry. Like it's just, yeah, postnatal rehab isn't a thing. And I, I'm on a mission to make it a thing and to make it like sports people do it really well. They rehab in a really systemized and gradual and graduated manner. And I believe our, our bodies have been through just as much, if not more, than a sporting injury. We've had the nine months of pregnancy, a childbirth. So whether or not you've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth. And to think of our afterbirth recovery, not just as in six weeks, bang, I can get back to it all. But if we think about it like that sports injury and think, okay, what's the next step for me? Okay, I'm feeling tired today, so what can I do instead? Or do, do you know what I mean? That's what, that's what I think will make a difference to – it's not just this postpartum period, but this is then taking us on for decades and years and years. And this is our mental health and confidence as women. Like I think this is what is important. Yeah, I think that's a really, really nice call out because it's it's true. Like when you look at any other recovery process, it's not six weeks and bang, you're back on. It is a, a very slow, gentle add-on. So I think that's a really nice reminder, especially for, and I think a lot of people listening and a lot of women in general just do expect themselves to be superhumans. And I can only imagine when you're sleep deprived, you know, and like you said, if we have partners and they go back to work, it is really hard to give yourself that gradual you know, slow recovery process. But I guess it's like remembering that will help you, I guess, not put so much pressure on yourself. So I think that's a really, really nice message for anybody listening, potentially feeling like they're not ticking all the boxes right now or anyone like me thinking we're going to get there and, you know, six weeks down the track, just be back to where we were before. It's a huge, huge change on the body. Um, and I guess you need to find your new balance at that point and kind of grow mm. with it as you get stronger. So yeah. I'm really glad you shared that. That's a, a really nice way to look at it. Um, one thing we haven't actually spoken about yet, which 
So before I before we came on the podcast, I did do a little question box on um, my Instagram just to see if there were any mums currently in this process um, that had any specific questions. Um, and I've already kind of integrated a lot of them were around the exercise and recovery um, during pregnancy exercise. So we, we have touched on a lot. But one thing um, one person or one listener asked me about was breastfeeding. And she called out that one thing she didn't expect was to gain weight from breastfeeding. And so I kind of wanted to know, do you think that that is something common that people experience? Uh, obviously not singling out this listener that, no, that's not common. So that's not a valid thing that you're experiencing. But I guess it's just more misconception around things we may accept, um, expect that are not the reality or not well, well enough spoken about. So do you have anything to, I guess, add to the, the comment of like breastfeeding and I guess changes in the body in that regard? Yeah. Oh, it's such a tricky time, isn't it? Because you're right, you hear from, you see one person in mother's group that might seem like they don't have a tummy at three months after birth and then you might feel like you've still got your tummy at six months after birth and then you have one mum saying they're shredding weight when they're breastfeeding and then a mum, another mum might feel like they're not. So it's challenging because it's all so individual and I think in those situations, Oh, this is where motherhood expectations need to go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> expectations are just never seem to work, do they? Um, look, in this situation, I, if you're concerned about your weight, I, th- go have a chat to your GP, a trusted GP, perhaps a review with a dietitian because the thing is we don't want to be losing weight in a way that is impacting our energy and our milk supplies. So we've just got to be careful, or we always have to be careful, but particularly during breastfeeding, if the goal is to lose weight, we just need to do that in a way that's going to serve Healthy. our body and our baby yeah, best. And it's not my area of expertise by any shot. And I often say to women, you know, fitness mama, like my program with workouts for afterbirth, it's not necessarily for you if you want to lose weight. But having said that, it's often a byproduct but it's not like I, I think it's it's a tricky area because there's so many different factors. Mm. And I think if we can boil it back down to some basics is what do women want to feel like after having a baby? And this is where I think it can be really helpful because so often we're exhausted, right? And we're tired and the thought of going for a workout for 45 minutes it's just sometimes impossible like it can feel impossible when you have a new baby and you've been up all night so this is sometimes where I think again that having that grace that we talked about before but also thinking what is easy for me to do today I am a really big fan I've got two mantras which I just love for new mums and myself when I was a new mum is done or something is better than nothing in terms of exercise after birth and then done is better than perfect so I'm talking about after that six-week period when you've had the medical clearance and you're ready to start moving again so something is better than nothing so often if if we've got intentions that we want to exercise but then you're feeling really exhausted and tired and your baby's unsettled and you're finding it hard to leave the house. Sometimes, sometimes it's just not possible to go for that hour-long workout at the wherever it is that you want to go. So this is where sometimes doing five minutes at home here or 10 minutes there can be really helpful. And it can also, more importantly, it can help us feel better. Like five or 10 minutes can make mentally, yeah, it can make a world of difference on our outlook. And if we've got an unsettled baby, suddenly it can all seem manageable again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then done is better than perfect is my second mantra. Because when you're exercising with a baby and especially when they start to grow up and they start crawling and you start to do a home-based workout, but then they're crawling all over you, like sometimes it's just not what you'd expect it to do. Or if you were going for a walk with a pram and you have to stop halfway to feed, or I remember taking my daughter to a Pilates class, but then she woke up when I thought she'd sleep the whole class and I ended up spending half my class feeding her. So sometimes... It wasn't until I changed my mindset that, you know what, that's okay. It wasn't what I expected, 
but I did something and I think that can sometimes help so it's yeah so it's a very long convoluted answer to your question but um it's it's a it can be a really challenging period for some women and I just if you're listening and you're in that stage just knowing there's a lot of help out there a lot of support and and it's such early days too as well so yeah it's all about nourishing the body and you know hopefully feeling good at the end of it rather than necessarily losing the weight does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely and I think um what I love most what you, about what you just said, and obviously those mantras are a beautiful way to give yourself that grace, but you mentioned something about just asking yourself every day, I guess, what you need. And that links really nicely with, I guess, how I feel about balance, and that is that no two days are the same. And I think this moment in your life when you're pregnant, when you've just given birth, becoming a new mum, being a mum just in general, I think that is more prone to changing between the hour you know when your kids asleep when it's waking up when it needs to feed and so I think that's a really beautiful way to just check in with yourself regularly have that grace for yourself and understand that the balance is um it's not a textbook one it's not a perfect formula and it's one that you'll need to engage with slowly slowly so I know there's no I'm actually glad you didn't give me a clear-cut answer to that because it really does honor that everyone's experience is different everyone comes to it with their own you know, co-health factors with their own history, with their own current issues, with their own exercise regime and whatnot. And mental concerns, obviously a big one too. So um, for that listener that asked that question, there's no clear cut answer. It's going to really just depend on so many things that are going on in your life. But I think a key takeaway there is reach out to the professionals and, and know that there's help out there. There are people out there that are going through the same thing. Um, and yeah, I think that's all we've got time for today. But I, I'm really glad that we had this chat about, I guess, balance or finding your own balance during postpartum, not only that, but during pregnancy across exercise and recovery in general. I think it's a really important conversation. I think it's a, it's a space that's growing and opening up. And a lot of people, especially online with all the transparency of people's you know, pregnancy journeys, and sometimes you only see the before and afters quickly and you know, you can feel really disheartened. I think these conversations are more important now than ever. So I want to just thank you for your time and all the work you're doing. And um, I will pop links to all of your socials, podcasts and websites so people can connect with you if they want to as well. Thank you very much, Erica. It was lovely to chat. Likewise. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, stop, stop.